Hello humans, hello humans, how you doing? It's a lovely foggy day here, cold as fuck, everybody wearing parkas and stuff, it's, well it's actually like almost 60 where I'm at in town, uh, but it's still chilly with that fog on you, it condenses. Um, anyway, heading outward bound, uh, 27th of July, and it's about uh, a little after 10.30. And we're getting set up for the rest of the day's work. So, um, all right, so people talk to me, uh, basically like, you know, all different kinds of people contact me about various different kinds of things. And um, uh, like some important people that, you know, have like positions of power and stuff, right? They're ordinary guys and stuff. They want to talk about something in particular and they'll share something. So I like to trade. I like to trade information. I'm not for hire, okay? I don't need money. I got into Bitcoin. I, I got cryptos. If I needed money, I'd start a new business. You know, I ran across another interesting idea the other day anyway, uh, which I'll, I'll get into in a second. But so uh, people will tell me things because I don't betray their confidence, right? Um, if they tell me they'd rather I didn't discuss the subject, never say a word about it, right? Um, as long as they're being honorable humans, that sort of thing, because I don't ever sign any agreements or any of that kind of shit. I just don't do NDAs. They're really stupid anyway. Uh, usually they're, uh, you, ha you know, the only benefit for them is that they can sanction you after you bust the NDA, right? <laughs> so, so really it's just, um, uh, a memory thing for you to kind of like scare you so you don't do it. But anyway, so. Uh, I don't betray confidences or uh, this sort of thing and would certainly not ever betray a uh, someone's commercial, um, you know, uh, advantage or whatever, right? And, uh, but uh, as I say, I like to trade information. So I was chatting with this guy the other day uh, who has some position of authority that l led him to have uh, access to, man, there's a huge amount of logging going on over on the other side of the valley here, uh, maybe uh, 40, 50 acres. Anyway, so, uh, so I was uh, talking with this fellow, helping him uh, with a particular problem he had uh, relative to um, the uh, commercial aspect of their uh, of their firm. So this guy works for a company, uh, he owns a big chunk of it, um, that sort of thing, right? So he's way up in, in the upper management and, and was part of the founder group and this sort of thing, and he works on uh, particular problems. And he's sort of like me, actually he's very much younger than I am, he's like uh, 12 years younger than I am, but you know, uh, he was fortunate and like at his, uh, in the late fifties, he retired, but it's sort of a semi-retirement because they, he comes back and does special projects for the company and fixes shit. Um, so hang on a second. I'm just looking at something really weird here. Oh my God. Oh, it's a County truck that is never getting out of that ditch. Uh, anyway, you can drive on the shoulders here and like the county truck did just that it's a little pickup kind of thing but the shoulder collapsed and it's uh, slid on its side into the drainage ditch <laughs> so they're gonna have to get something to pull that thing it's gonna cause a big backup on this main road um anyway so i'm chatting with this guy um and he had an interesting observation okay it wasn't the main point of our talking uh but he made the observation 
that uh, so this company has crews. They're a subcontractor um, or a major contractor actually for uh, U.S. military, and they go on out and they have to do things around um, heavily ionizing uh, radioactive kind of places. Okay, and so. Uh, this company has lots of these people that are doing the work for them. Uh, they've got crews all over the country, and th these crews are exposed to heavily ionized air. And that I don't know if you've ever been into that. Like, it, it's like the um, the air gets a, a positive ionic charge. Uh, really, it's a flat ionic charge. The the air is not charged. It, it's very much discharged and very much dry, and it dries your skin out, uh, dries your eyes out. It's just terrible stuff just to, at that level of the um, pressure on the negative ions in your body. And so they've got these crews that go on out and do this work, and they're they're always exposed to the ionized air, and sometimes they're even exposed to... Um, alpha and beta particles from um, uh, nuke plant kind of things, right? And so uh, the this guy, uh, the company had a, a situation, not, not an issue per se, it was just part of their doing business. And um, part of their doing business was that they had a very high absenteeism rate uh, in these crews of about 50% at any given time because the environments are so... Uh, deleterious that the, the body just reacts to it you know no matter how fit and healthy you are six or eight hours in one of these environments and you're going to be run down your vitamin low levels are going to be low all different kinds of things happen to you and so you might be you know sort of sagging not necessarily ill but you know not skookum not a hundred percent and you know not raring to go charging for the next few days and so a lot of the guys end up taking time off uh, because they, their bodies literally are sagging out on them. And the company understands this. Um, new road signs. Hmm. Anyway, uh, so they've been trying to do stuff. So they would they followed some of the same protocols with um, uh, the lemon uh, grass teas uh, that you would see with the... Um, uh, the nuke plants trying to, you know, help flush radiation and, and damage and so on. But anyway, these guys got into a long story. I won't go into all of that, but they got into using the uh, bacteria, uh, L. ruteri and L. gasseri. And so the, the company was so impressed with uh, one of these crews that the, one of the guys just got into it and and he told management, because they've got to tell them everything they're doing, right? Because they're constantly being monitored physically. So if you suddenly switch from one kind of, of soda to another, the, the firm wants to know. They don't want to stop you or anything. They just want to know for keeping track of health records. The, you know, whatever you're doing differently, they need to know about. So this guy started eating this um, El Ruderai yogurt for his gut, and um, he didn't get ill anymore. And then he started telling his buddies, and they started doing it. And the next thing you know, here's a whole crew of seven people that all of a sudden did not have. And it was like all of a sudden, because one day, I guess, five of them just started saying, well, you two are doing really good. Let's, we'll do it too. And then, so the next time that whole crew went out, nobody got ill. Nobody came in for, um, uh, you know, check, uh, check up and said, I need a day off. And uh, so the company was quite impressed. They were saying, okay, what's well, happened? Something's happened here. And so they found out that everybody's eating this yogurt. So they really investigated it. They put some money into it. And they've got a formula now 
that includes um, the El Ruderai and the El Gasserai yogurt, which they make them up separately and then they blend them, okay? So the company actually set up a, uh, basically a commercial kitchen in their headquarters. Um, uh, they're in a southern state that, that becomes pertinent because of the nature of culturing the yogurt. Uh, they actually had to, to have a slightly cool room in order to culture the yogurt because the ambient temperature and the humidity where the, the firm is located was just too high and it just got too hot. Now, El Ruderai and El Gasserai are low temperature critters. They, they just can't stand anything up close to 100 uh, degrees, right? And so they've got to, um, uh, uh, got to be cultured at a low low temperature here. Anyway, and so these guys um, started doing this. They set up a commercial kitchen. Oh man, that guy is... Oh shit. He used to think he's doing us a favor with this long trailer thing he's got, but he pulled off the road and started moving around and backing into it and it uh, you know, upsets the traffic. Anyway, uh, so um, this firm added... Um, they, the firm itself had gotten involved with some people that said, hey, you know, uh, your people may benefit from this particular kind of kefir. And kefir is another form of a cultured dairy product, right? It's milk that's been cultured with uh, these um, the bacteria. Now, the kefir that this guy's got has no uh, fungus in it, okay? So most of the commercial kefirs, and it's a grain, it's this kind of like quasi-clear, sort of soft crystal-looking thing that you pitch into your milk. And it grows over time, and it's a little bacterial colony. It extracts proteins and stuff and grows itself, and eventually you get more of these little grains, and you can even share them with your friends. And that's sort of what happened with these guys, and they got this uh, kefir that they ended up examining and found out that it had no um, fungus in it whatsoever. Now, most, most commercial kefirs have fungus in them. Uh, not that that's bad for humans, but sometimes kefir with fungus can be bad for your dog, so you just have to be aware of that. Um, but regular kefir without fungus is no worries for your dog, really does great, you know, extends their life, all of this sort of thing. But the point of all of this was that the once they had the El Ruderai and the El Gasserai and the uh, kefir involved, they found out and they spread it to all eight of their crews, okay? So they've got like 60 plus people in these uh, crews. Um, depending on what they do, there might be seven or eight people in one, you know, nine in another, that kind of thing, right? Anyway, and so um, once they did this and got all their crews on the, on the product that they're making in the commercial kitchen that they set up, uh, these guys are not uptaking radiation. Okay, so this was a huge, huge thing for the for the firm here, right? And so now they're actually investigating uh, commercially, um, uh, you know, uh, cultivating this this thing and making a um, uh, a product for the nuke industry, because apparently the combination of these three things uh, present you with um, good bacteria in your gut and in your body th throughout your body to the extent that. Uh, uh, small levels of exposure. So these guys that they're running don't ever stay much more than say 20 hours around a um, uh, alpha emitter, right? And so, uh, uh, but anyway, within that level of exposure, which we would classify as very low grade exposure just on the time. So, you know, they have this deal. I think they can go on two jobs a month 
And so uh, if they're anticipating, so they're basically the crews are told, you know, they keep track of how many hours they're exposed, right? And they're, they're given a limit by the company as to how many hours they can be exposed. But in any event though, so the firm has totally eliminated the, um, what used to be routine 50% level of uh, absenteeism following uh, exposures. And they've had months and months and months with none of the crews being ill and, uh, and you know, taking time off. And as I say, the big boon for them was that they don't, you know, apparently they're going to have less and less issues for um, their crews relative to uh, uptake of uh, beta particles and alpha particles, you know, damage from them, right? This is so significant that this firm is, okay, so this company is so big, you know, it's like a major, major, major um, defense subcontractor, but it's so big that they're, they have their own um, uh, experience and rating. They, they do their own insurance for things like, um, uh, you know, workers comp, that sort of thing, right? So they're so big, they got so much fucking money that they don't bother with an insurance company. They just have their own internal insurance pools uh, for uh, shit that may happen. And, uh, but anyway, so now they've applied in the uh, uh, state that they're in operation. They want to get it through the state first, and then they're going to go to the feds. But they're going to they're they're applying to say that they don't have to have this high of a rating of reserved funds uh, to cover these crews for um, uh, long-term damage, you know, workers' comp, accumulation of problems, etc. Because they're no longer taking up the radiation, and the firm can now prove it. Because I don't know how many months they've had on this. Maybe six, maybe seven at this stage. Um, and they've, they've had none of these crews go out uh, or, or, you know, have the absenteeism. And then these guys are checked before they go to these jobs. And then repeatedly after they come out of the jobs, they're constantly screened for uh, radiation. And everybody's doing fine. They're, you know, they're looking good. And also the guy I talked to here, my contact at the company, is telling me that these crews uh, are no longer reporting the, the little tiny things like, um, you know, flaky skin, dry skin, uh, because too much radiation, the very first effects you'll get, sort of like a sunburn. If you're around this um, dead air that, that just sucks the ions right out of you, it it really degrades the skin. And these guys are saying, hey, you know, I don't have to, you know, loofah myself five times a day, that sort of thing, right? And so everybody's happy about all of this. And I just thought to report that, hey, at this particular combination, if you're going to be exposed to radiation, and it may turn out <laughs> that we all need this based on the space aliens. I don't know. You know, because the, um, the thing about the... Uh, Space aliens is that right now there's something very close to a thousand claims that have been put in by service members, you know, Army, Navy, that sort of thing, mostly Navy, some Air Force, and some Army uh, personnel for exposure to um, whatever the fuck from these um, space alien ships. And, uh, you know, these people have been damaged. Some people have been killed and their families are, are basically having to sue the government because the government said, ain't no aliens didn't happen, right? And so you got no claim. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how these things uh, progress now that we're getting more and more evidence that, oh yeah, you know, the whole skies are filled with these fuckers. Uh, they're, they're sometimes landing and if humans get too close to them, we get very uh, large amounts of some form of um, uh, high energy particles. 
and uh, it causes problems up to the point of death. So, um, anyway, so this firm's really, uh, really hot on it to the point where they're investing money in the commercial kitchen in the idea of a uh, of perfecting this as I don't know if they're aiming for a pill or whatever, right? The problem with taking um, bacteria uh, strains like this in a pill form is that it's got to get through the stomach. So you got to protect the bacteria against the stomach acid. And um, because it's then got to get into the small intestine before it rehydrates and then becomes activated, right? Then it'll go ahead and start working on the um, digestive mucosa and this sort of thing. But prior to that, uh, it, you have to protect it. So some unknown portion of your bacterial product gets destroyed by the stomach acids. Maybe you get, you know, a 50% uptake. We just don't, you know, it's difficult to uh, quantify. You don't have that if you have the yogurt, okay? Because the yogurt bacteria is alive when you eat it and it starts colonizing the stomach and it, the bacteria itself in an alive form uh, can protect itself from stomach acid by getting into the uh, stomach mucosa, which is what El Ruderi should do. It should be up that high. It should be pushing out all of um, the colon bacteria that cause problems, pushing them further down into the colon. Anyway, though, so these guys are going to uh, try and perfect this. Um, uh, you know, apparently it's a pain in the ass to ship yogurt all over the, the planet after these crews, right? Uh, but they're working on something. So I'll probably find out at some point it'll probably be a commercial product and then I can come out and say, oh, okay, that, that was the guy I was talking to about this. Uh, but very interesting that they're going that route. The, um, the thing about the space aliens coming out now is that it was perfectly timed relative to those reports Although Alta reports kept saying that, you know, we would reach this peak. And we're talking about reports that were 20 plus years old now, right? 2003, 2005, 2008. We got another big tranche of the stuff in 2010 through 2012. All pointing to a period of time where we would have a, uh, if you want to say, a summer infestation of UFO information. And uh, that's where we're at now. UFO information is coming out and... If you go and examine those agencies that will report the information, UFO sightings, UAP sightings, are up like five, six hundred percent this year over last year, and last year was a bumper crop. So some shit's going on from the side of the space aliens. And then, you know, you can do all kinds of stuff like um, you can make, draw conclusions from observed actions and you can hold these as tentative conclusions that can point your thinking in a particular way. And so we can have the the tentative conclusion that the um that a, a couple of things that the UAP guys and the UFOs don't care if we see them. They're not trying to hide from us, right? Uh so that's something to be aware of. And also uh there's a big increase in sightings and activity relative to these, so there must be something motivating that. That it's been, it's been, it had reached a, um, a point of gradual incline, uh, according to the sources I have, uh, maybe sometime around 2012. And, and so 2013 was, oops, was more than 2012, 
and um, 2014 more than 13, etc. And then we had a big jump up in um, 2019, and then last year, 2022, was a huge bumper crop at about uh, 60 to 70 percent increase in reported sightings. So, you know, non-reported sightings, who knows? Um, but reported sightings, it's 60 to 70% increase in one year, and now we're scaling faster and higher than that bumper year. So uh, are we heading for a peak of interaction, a, a uh, full-on, uh, we're here, you know, we got our gear, we're going to land and barbecue, that kind of thing, right? Um, we may very well. Eagle. Anyway, so the uh, the increase in verbiage about the uh, space aliens was uh, described in a um, in a series of or, okay a bunch of different sets come into this because there's a lot of this stuff wrapped up with the history and the um, uh, all of the history right. Uh, I mean, going back thousands of years before the creation of, like, the Abrahamic religions. So bear in mind, those are the new kids on the block, right? Uh, the newest one is um, Islam, and then there's Christianity, and then there's Judaism going back. But Judaism is barely 4,200 years old. It did not exist uh, prior to the space aliens landing, and the Jews themselves take their uh, start of their... Uh, origin story and stuff from the creation of Adam and Eve. And, uh, you know, and so we know that they've got a definitive time when that happened. It was like, you know, 4,195 years ago, something like that, right? Anyway, so Judaism didn't exist before that. There was uh, the Harappan uh, civilization in the Indus Valley that, as far as we can tell, lasted a complete thousand years of peaceful history uh, and that was 2,000 years before um, the um, L landed here and, or came and took over the, the Essenes and marched them up to uh, Judea, right? And so, so we've got, you know, millions upon millions upon millions of humans, advanced civilizations, pyramids, uh, you know, underseas kind of stuff going on. Uh, there's, it's estimated that there's more... Uh, buildings on the Indian subcontinent that are now underwater than exist on the continent above water. In other words, the continental shelf of the um, of India was that's now underwater by the the flood. You know, a few uh, a few thousand years back, uh, the 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 um, end of the Younger Dryas uh, flooded out those valleys. But um, there was more construction there than we see currently in India above you know, out and about, under, uh, not under the water. So so now we're getting into some of that history. And, and as the space aliens show up, uh, A, they're going to find humanity is really fucking confused because we've been dominated by the Kazarians who have been desperate, desperate, desperate to uh, quash and, and uh, totally control uh, all of our feelings and information about space aliens. If they all want it to go through their think, right? So, so they're trying to get us to the point where if they don't approve it, you can't think it. And they're going to apply this to the UFO shit too, because that's their, the, ultimately going to be the big source of their power, they think. 
I don't think it's going to work out that way for them. Um, we're, according to the data sets, we're going to get a, uh, hopefully, I think it'll be uh, within the projection of the data sets, so around the 28th, 29th of this month, uh, we'll get some kind of a uh, seemingly innocuous, um, you know, casual kind of a statement uh, that was defined by the data as being a, a throwaway, as being a um, casual observation that nobody's going to take really any notice of, but that as this uh, as it percolates into your brain, what was actually being said is going to be extremely profound, and it's going to launch all these other. Um, threats, all these other other uh, social uh, dynamic threats based on that particular casual observation, and so it, it forms a uh, an entry peak into this plateau period where we everybody or you know lots and lots and lots of people get really excited about UFO stuff, and there's a, apparently something to be excited about. So it, it's going to be in my my thinking it's going to be a very interesting time from the end of this this um, month onward uh, that interesting time is going to be for UFO guys is going to be um, moderated and to a certain extent um, dampened down and uh, distributed so to speak so we won't be able to concentrate on it because of the stuff that's going to be going on with the economy. So we're going to have the, all of these things show up, you know, all at the same time. All the Biden corruption, the uh, UFOs, and the breakdown of the uh, fiat currency system. Now, the fiat currency system, in my opinion now, is going to go in September. So we had this um, data set that, that suggested that whatever happened in the last two weeks of, of um, July was going to set up... Uh, an echo, it's going to be like a pre-echo, right? A, a thematic pre-echo to the events of September, which will concentrate from the 15th of September onward, but will totally dominate October, November, December, probably January onward. Uh, we just don't trust the data after after uh, November. Uh, so uh, that theme uh, appears to be what I want to call crack-up boom, all right? And so Stalin, uh, the old uh, uh, communist um, dictator guy in, uh, in Russia, in the Soviet Union, had a, um, he wanted to know, when is capitalism going to die? And so he pays, the, or he brings up his uh, chief economist, this guy by the name of Kondratiev. Uh, he threatens Kondratiev, makes him go and do a lot of work. Kondratiev comes back and tells him all of these uh, answers, uh, none of which he liked. And so he throws Kondratiev into a gulag for presenting this, but Kondratiev was correct. And he said, his, his mathematics determined that A, communism would collapse long before capitalism, that capitalism was indeed our native operating mode, um, and that two, um, our capitalistic structure is going to continue, but that the central banking structure was going to end itself in a crack-up boom. And I think we're seeing the signs of that now because the um, Powell et al. in the Federal Reserve raised rates a quarter of a point to the highest level that they've um, been in like 22 years or something, right? Uh, and so what's going to happen, I believe, is that the 
you know, the data sets are forecasting it, is that the um, economics that we're getting into now is going to cause these uh, central banks to um, get into a period of uh, a rate increase war. So rates are used to suck money out of the system towards your banking system. So as our rates rise here, more money comes to get um, get the bigger interest, and so people would sell euros and buy dollars, that sort of thing, right? Well, uh, I think that the data sets are forecasting Kondratev's crack-up boom in which competing central banks will have a rate increase war trying to draw capital to them as they are getting to the point that no matter how much capital they draw, they will never, ever, ever be able to um, cause it to equal the, the level of payment on the debt. So right now, the USA is owing like a trillion a year just as interest rates. So a trillion a year is wasted out of our federal budget, uh, uh, giving it to the central bank to pay for the use of the fucking money. So, you know, totally wasted, totally a bullshit um, proposition, Ponzi scheme thing. But we're, we're trapped in it at this stage. It's going to bust. But and how it's going to bust is that there'll be competing interest rates. So we'll see probably in September, we're going to get another rate increase here. And that's going to set off a period where the European central banks will raise their rates even more. And then the uh, USA central bank is going to say, well, fuck, we got to raise ours even more. And the next thing you know, we're, we're scaling up, you know, uh, from 5.5% uh, um, interest on things and we'll scale up and maybe it'll go six and then seven then eight and then 10 and then 12 and so on until we get to just huge rates of interest being paid that causes uh, the system to, to uh, suck itself dry and, um, and implode. Probably that will occur over several months um, beginning this winter as, as we get into this uh, rate increase war period. But in any event, so this and the UFOs, and then as well, all of the history shit that's going to be coming out about all of the evil stuff that uh, governments and uh, have been doing, uh, you know, for fuck all ever. And so all this stuff's going to come out at the same time and will um, lead us to our uh, years of transition. And the years of transition will, will take us into sci-fi world. So if I had to pick, I'd say that really at this stage, it would look like uh, the beginnings of sci-fi world would start, uh, say, 2026, and that uh, it'd be really visible in 2027. It'd take us a year to get to the point where uh, there's a build-out enough in these new technologies and stuff that it starts becoming generally visible. And as I say, it's it's difficult to estimate, but I'm thinking 2027 would be the first that it could happen. Um, but everything's on track so far. Uh, no hiccups, you know, in terms of the, the timeline suggested by the data sets. And so I'm pretty much sticking to the idea that, well, we'll probably have the initiation phase of a crack-up boom that appears to us in um, uh, September... Okay. All right. Anyway, guys, uh, here now, I got to put stuff away and uh, get to work. Still cold and foggy as hell. So take care and um, keep up on your yogurt.